0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to talk for the next few weeks on Designed for Destiny. Everybody say, Designed for Destiny. Who in here is Designed for Destiny? You better put your hand up. My goodness. Really, the... The whole point of the series is going to be to talk about finding God's will. And, you know, God's will in, in many circles is kind of this ominous thing, you know, do you know God's will? I'm seeking God's will. Some people say that for their entire life. I'm just seeking God's will from what, what he wants me to do with my life. I mean, and you know, I believe that probably most believers today, probably 75% and up of believers would say they don't know for sure if they're in God's will, if they're in God's perfect will. How I many of y'all would agree with that? We've all had at least points in our life like that, but to know what is God's will for my life? And so in talking about this, um, we've, we've got to go back a little bit. You know, we, we probably all remember that first point in our life. It may have been when you were about to graduate from high school, or whatever it was, where suddenly you, were, you realized the next decisions you were going to make were going to impact the rest of your life. It was the first time. And you're going, oh, goodness, and you kind of, you know how big and heavy that is in that moment. And how many of you kind of remember that moment, maybe in high school or you're about to graduate from college or whatever it is, where the future was looming? And you're going, I, I, what am I going to do? I hope I can measure up. I hope I can be everything I'm, I've expected to be and everything that I dreamed to be as a child. And you just find it kind of looming there in front of you. I remember a couple of scary moments like that. When your decisions aren't your parents anymore, the decisions are yours and they're going to matter now. That's huge. And so as Christians, as we look at this, our question is, Lord, what is your will for my life, right? Why am I here? We've all asked that at some point or another. And our culture today tells us, you know what, you are not unique, you are not special, There is nothing extraordinary about you, you're an accident, and our society tells us that mankind is nothing more than a result of time and coincidence. And really the reality is this mindset that has infiltrated our society leaves us absolutely hopeless, leaves us without a cause, leaves us without anything to live for. And really, it leaves us in a state where we we don't strive or or thrive for anything other than self-satisfaction because there's nothing bigger. There's nothing greater to live for. True? And with this mindset, God's will doesn't really matter. So my whole point of today in talking about God's will, I subtitled Created for Purpose because the first thing we've got to realize is that Before we seek God's will, we've got to realize that, you know, your parents may not have known you were coming. You may have always been told you were the result of an accidental pregnancy, but God knew you were coming. God created you and he formed you. You didn't evolve. You're not a mistake. God created you and he created you for purpose and he created you for a reason. That is a reason to live. Uh, You'll see in your notes, um, actually, I don't know, is our guest network back up? We had something blow out in the sound booth this morning, and and hopefully you guys can get on Wi-Fi. You can jump online and and view the notes. You also have note sheets in your uh, service guide there. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, from the New King James, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now stop right there just a second. You know what that is? You may have never thought of it, but that right there is purpose. That's purpose for our lives right there. Present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable before God, which is your reasonable service. Then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let me read it to you real quick from the New Living. The New Living says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We need to know God's will for our life. Now, I think because of the mindset of our culture, we know that these mindsets creep into the church as well, right? And I think it's kind of left in many ways, many people, you know, you may have when you were younger, you would pray, and God, show me your will, what is it you want me to do with my life and all these things, but you kind of got into the routine of life. And you find yourself in a place right now where you're like, you know, I don't, I couldn't say 100% that I'm in God's will, but I love God, and I'm going with the flow, like water, the path of least resistance, right? Right? I go wherever doors are open, and my life seems to be going pretty good. So why do I need to spend a bunch of time seeking God's will for my life? Isn't he just going to open up doors in front of me? Don't I just just go through the path of least resistance? Not necessarily, right? I'm going to give you just three points today. Number one, God designed you in his image. This is very important to understand that we were created in the image of God. And we're going back to Genesis chapter 1, where he says this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 25, back in the beginning. Verse 25, it says, And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And in verse 31, it says, then God saw everything he'd made, and indeed it was very good. So in the evening and the morning, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You know, something to realize here, every time God created thing, everything, you know, he started by creating light, right? And he said it was good. And each thing he created, he said it was good, but he didn't say it was good very good until he created mankind. You ever thought about that? Because mankind was the purpose of it all. We were the purpose. All these things, they were good, but man was very good. And you look at that, it says the image of God, the the Hebrew uh, root of the Latin word for image of God means image or shadow or likeness. So we were created in the image, in the shadow, in the likeness of God. Now, I started thinking about this and I thought, well, what are some of the things, some of the likenesses, some of the things that God placed in us, some of the qualities that he has? Well, firstly, God is a triune being, right? Triune meaning three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we are a triune being as well, the way he created us here on this earth. What are we? Spirit, soul, and body, right? God created us with a mental likeness. We have an intellectual ability that far supersedes any of creation. There's some pretty intelligent creatures out there. What? There's a gorilla out there. They taught sign language, right? He doesn't know sign language. He knows when he wants to eat. He better put his hand up a certain way, right? It's kind of cool. Dude doesn't know how to talk, though, right? (laughs) We have an intellectual ability that far supersedes any of creation. And you think about it, no creature on earth, can communicate with the detail that human beings can. We are created with a moral likeness to God. Mankind is born with awareness of good and evil with what we would today call a conscience, right? There's a social likeness, a social nature and the need for love, the need for fellowship, the need for companionship. There's the creative likeness. We were created with creative, original ideas, artistic. You can't see that in any of creation. We are created like God to be creative and create unique things. So, in thinking about this, that's just a few of the things, but in thinking about this, why are we creating the image of God? Why is that important? Well, one reason is because we were created for intimate fellowship with God. Now, I was talking to my wife about this. This could be a controversial statement, so y'all bear with me. How many of you have a dog or a cat that you just really love? I mean, they're, they're a part of the family. You may sign them on the Christmas cards with, with your name, everything else. We can love our pet, however, we can never love them on the level that we love our child or we love our spouse. It's different. No, 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 yeah. Animals are different because they're not, cre- they're not in our image. They don't have the likenesses of God. We cannot have an intimate level of fellowship and relationship with an animal. Now, we know they love us. They may come and they may lay down on us and wag their little tail and whatnot, and that's awesome. And we're going, you know, it's going to be sad the day they leave, but it's going to be nothing but compared to our closest friends and family and our children and our spouses. Because animals are not created in the image of God. And in the same way, could you imagine when God said, you know, he goes through all creation, and then he stoops down to the dust of the earth, and let's create dog. And he creates a dog, and, you know, and, and Father, Son, Holy Spirit are walking through the cool of the day with the dog. And then they take a rib out of the dog and create a female dog. It's kind of weird. And it, it wouldn't happen. Mankind had to be created in the image of God to have fellowship with him, to be able to talk with him, to be able to love him. And the whole thing was, you know, he, he created us in his likeness and image with many of his attributes. He loves us and we can love him in return in the way that no other part of creation can. We can worship him in a way that no other part of creation can. We can express our love for him through our words. We can express it through our giving as we just did. We can express our love to him through creative means. We will see any creation doing that. We can can, um, express our love to him through sacrifice. You generally don't see any other part of creation sacrificing. We can worship him through praise and worship. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, this is from the New Living. It says, when I look at the night sky and I see the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think of them, human beings that you should care for them? Guys, this is David. How many of you have ever been at a place like David was at in that moment where you said, God, who in the world am I that you would create me in your image and you would love me so much that you would give your son for me? Who am I? God loves us so much that he created us with the, in, in his image so that he could express that love to us and so that we could express it in return. That makes sense? So number one, we were created in God's image. Number two, God planned your life before birth. Guys, we know these things, but we've got to be reminded. We live in a society that tells us that we have no value. God knew you before you were born. And very familiar scripture in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, God speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God is declaring to him Look, before you were even conceived, before you were thought of, I set you apart for my purpose, and there's a plan for your life. Guys, that's a promise. And if you think about it, if any of you know the life of Jeremiah, man, the path he walked through, he went through some tough stuff in his ministry. He went through some tough stuff at the hands of his fellow Israelites. And it makes me wonder how many times he had to look back at this promise. He had to look back and remember. I mean, because we've probably all been at that point before where we're at a certain place in our life and we're going, God, I must have missed you. (laughs) Because things are going badly for me. How many of you have ever been there? I guarantee you, Jeremiah was there over and over again. Lord, and the Lord just reminds him, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I set you apart. I pointed you a prophet to the nations. He had a promise to look back on, even as he was sitting in prison cells. I read something online I wanted to read to you guys. I thought this was really good. Um, <laughs> I couldn't figure out where I, where I got it, so I, I can't quote the source. But it says, knowing that it was God who, who knew us and formed us and called us into life, this is the bedrock of our existence. When everything around us is not making sense. This truth can give us the grounding that we desperately need to go on. We're all looking for a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. Many people have not received this affirmation from their parents, but it was not their parents who knew them before they were conceived. It was God. It was God who formed each of us in our mother's womb and called us to life. It was God who set us apart for his divine purposes and plans. Before an architect constructs a building, he meticulously puts every detail on paper, every component needed to make his dream into reality. The first idea is first conceived in his mind and then transferred to paper. And then when everything is just perfect, he starts the process of building his creation. In my, own unlimited, in my own limited understanding of God's creation process, this is how I imagine it to be. He first conceives us in his mind, and then with great thoughts of love, he begins to chart every detail of our DNA in preparation for the time when he will form us in our mother's womb. What a wonderful thought to know the God of the universe knew us intimately and set us apart for his purposes even before we were ever conceived. Psalm 139, verses 14 through 17 says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is a completely different way of thinking for David here, isn't it? He was just saying, God, why in the world do you look even look upon mankind? Now he's saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, I will praise you. Marvelous are your works, and and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. God specifically planned every detail of your life before you were ever conceived. That's something to live for. That's why I've, I've said this before, but I've, I've known Christians who have, who have defended abortion. That's another reason we can never defend abortion. We believe this scripture or we don't. If God knew us before we were conceived, then we're a human being at conception. <clears throat> our society tells us, our society tells us that, that God is dead, that there is no God. You know, I've heard the arguments out there that atheists make that God is just the need of insecure humanity for something more. And they just explain away everything that we see God do. Well, I tell you what, (laughs) I totally believe in God. I know him personally. But even if what they said was true, I'd rather believe the lie. I'd rather believe I was created for purpose and there's a plan for my life and that I'm never alone. God loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he has a plan for you to carry out in your life. Which brings us to number three. Number three, true peace, joy, and fulfillment are only found in your purpose. Look, you may find things in life that you really enjoy to do but you will never be truly satisfied or truly fulfilled until you step into your purpose. At least begin to pursue your purpose. That's where, because look, it's what you were created for. I mean, we can, we can go over and we can pull a Picasso painting off the wall and we can throw it down in front of the door and make it a doormat. And it may work just fine for a little while, right? But very quickly, it's going to be dirty and ratty, rat, ratty and torn, And it will never fill its purpose, the potential of its purpose. We can do a lot of different things. We can have a lot of different things we're good at. But we've got to seek God's purpose for our life. Because that's where we're going to make a difference. And that's where we're going to find fulfillment. As believers, we all have a purpose, a purpose that supersedes the details of the plan for our life. And I want to go real quick to Isaiah 43, verse 6. It says, It says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth everyone who is called by my name whom i created for my glory whom i formed and made we were called by his name made by his glory uh, made for his glory formed and made by his hand amen Psalm 100 verses 2 and 3 says, Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful tidings. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know the place to start when you don't know what God's will for your life is? is to live for his glory. And part of doing that, it talks here about um, uh, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, Part of what it looks like to glorify God with our life is to simply acknowledge who he is with our life. Recognizing him as our creator and recognizing him as our redeemer. To praise and worship him with our life as such. Understanding that since we were created in God's image, the purpose for our life can't be fulfilled outside of him. So, the peace and the joy and the satisfaction comes from fulfilling our purpose, but it can't be done apart from him because he created us with that purpose and he created us in his image. So, you know, there, you know, there may be plenty of people out there who, who seem to be doing really well in life, but the world will always be searching for more. Always. Because they cannot fulfill their purpose apart from him. Does that make sense? But finding the, finding the details of the plan and purpose for our life that's something we'll talk about in the next week or two. But, you know, many of us, many of us were raised, you know, whether whether you were raised in a Christian home or not, we were raised with this idea that our life is our own and we can do whatever in the world we want to with it. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, right? Some people grew up, as I said earlier, being told that, You were a mistake. I wish you had been a girl. (laughs) We were done having kids. Many people go through life feeling like a mistake and just going from one disappointment to another. Look, the plan that God has for our lives is much bigger than that. We were never meant to live from crisis to crisis. We were never meant to live emotionally broken we don't, have to, we don't have to struggle through life because God has a purpose. God has a reason for our lives. And that's what he wants us to discover. And look, God is not hiding his will for our lives. Sometimes we make things so hard. How many of you would agree that you do that sometimes? No, I do. Make things far more complicated than they ever should have been in the first place. God's not hiding his He wants us to know the will for our, for his will for our lives more than we do. He's not hiding it. He's not hiding our purpose. You are not an accident. You have great value. You were created in the image of God. He gave you a purpose before you were ever conceived, and you were made for his glory. Hebrews 2, 7 says, you have made them a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands. You know, I've known the scripture for a long time, but I was thinking, you know how Evolution, when you believe in the theory of evolution, evolution puts us one step above the apes. The scripture puts us at the feet of the angels. And really, that's just because of our sinful, sinful flesh and nature. You are valuable. What determines value? I saw something Rick Warren said. He said, value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for something and who owned the item. Well, what was the price that was paid for you? The father exchanged his son, right? He bought you with an exceedingly high price. So who owns you now? You were valuable. I'll give you a few truths I just put down. Jeremiah 31.3 says, You are loved with an everlasting love. You are precious and valuable. Isaiah 49:16 says, "Your name is engraved on the palm of his hand." You are worthy. John 3:16 tells us that he gave his only son Jesus for you. You are forgiven. Acts 3:19 says, "You only need to repent of your sins." You're redeemed. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, "The old is gone, the new is come. You're a new creation in Christ." Ephesians 2:10 says, "You have been saved for a purpose, one which he specifically created for you." Who will actually believe these things today? Got one. (laughs) Guys, we got to believe that we were created for more than what the world's telling us. Stop believing the lie. Stop believing the lie that you're worthless. Stop believing the lies you were told as a child. Stop believing the things that you're seeing in the mainstream media. Believe what God's word says. You were created for more. You were created with purpose. You don't have to expect anything less. Stop believing the lie. You may be out there and you just say, you know what, I I just, my self-esteem has just been crushed, my self-confidence. Then get his esteem and his confidence. Tap into what he says about you. We don't need self-confidence. We need God confidence. That's the only thing that's going to get us through the lies that keep being spoken over our lives. They're curses. Stop believing the lie. You are valuable. You have a purpose. You can be used no matter where you're at in life. You may be a senior, have grandkids, great-grandkids, and think, well, what in the world do I do now? I never did see... As long as you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose. Stop believing the lie. You're not too old and you're not too young. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. He makes us powerless when we lose our identity and forget who God says we are. We open the door for him to run rampant. You have value, you have purpose. First and foremost, our life has got to belong to him. He prayed a price, but it's our choice to accept him or reject him first. You may have you may have never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. Or maybe you have, but but it was just a prayer. You repeated some words without understanding the depth of the meaning, that you're giving up your life. Giving up and saying, Lord, you're gonna lead me and guide me from now on. The decisions I make, they're gonna be based on what you want and not what I want. I'm gonna seek you before I walk through any door in my life. Maybe you didn't understand those words. Maybe you look right now and you recognize, man, (laughs) I am my Lord. I'm my own Lord. I've done things my own way too long. And let me tell you, if you're not sure who the Lord of your life is, I, I believe you do down deep inside, but if you're not sure, let me ask you, do you have a desire to please and honor God with your life? Does it bother you? Does it break your heart a little bit? Every time you go back and you commit that sin again? Or have you just kind of become numb to it all and you just kind of go with it? When Jesus is the Lord of our life, we should have a desire in us to live for him. We should have a desire in us to please him. There should be a desire in us to run after him. If you don't have that, I encourage you today, rededicate your life to him afresh right now. God, it's not about the, it's not about the prayer. It's about who is gonna steer the ship of your life. Will you take your hands off for a minute (laughs) and allow the King of kings and Lord of lords to take over? If you're here with every head bowed, if you're here and you've maybe never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, or maybe you have, but you recognize that he's not, lift your your hand for just a moment, let me see. Who in here says, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today? Who else? Two people have said, I need to get things right. Three, who else would say, I need to get my life right. I'm done living for myself. I'm done living for empty things. I'm going to live for the king of kings. Who else right now? Amen. We're all going to pray together. The Bible says, you pray this and you mean it with all your heart the Bible says that you become a new creation the old things are passed away and all things are made new you're brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light and you become a child of God you become his son his daughter, heir to his promises all you've got to do is make this decision I'm done living for myself I'm going to live for you Lord Every head bowed, let's pray together. Hey, dear Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth, for taking my place, for taking the pain, the punishment, the disease, all the things, all the things that you should have never carried. You carried them for me. And I thank you for that. Today I declare that I'm going to live for you. Lord, forgive me for living for myself. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and you rose again. And today, I declare you my Lord, my King, my Master, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to do everything that you've called me to do. I will live for you from this day forward. For the rest of my life and for all eternity in Jesus name and now it's still with every head bowed how many of you would say I've always struggled with self-value I've always been told that I'm worthless I was told so many times in my life that I wasn't enough You may be even questioning, how can I even trust God that he loves me like that? I've never been loved in such a way. I've never felt valued. I've never felt worthy of anything. Who would be bold enough to say that they struggle with value sometimes? Yeah, come on. have you would say that You need that constant reminder of what God says about your life. How many of you would say that? Yeah. Guys, I want to take the next couple of minutes. And if you would, bear with me. If everybody would just stay still for just a minute, please don't be going in and out. I want to end with one more worship song. Let's all stand up on our feet. If you rededicated your life to Jesus today, I would ask you, please come down and let one of the prayer partners pray and agree with you. If you you struggle with believing what God says about your life, about your value and the work that he sees in you, as we go into this last song and everybody's worshiping, come down and let somebody stand and pray with you and encourage you and build you up. God, there's nothing to be ashamed of. We all need that encouragement. That's what we're here for. Amen? We're here to be an encouragement to one another, build each other up, to walk arm in arm through life. Life can be tough sometimes. But we've got the King of Kings. We've got the Creator. And we've got each other. Let's do this hand in hand and arm in arm. Amen? Y'all worship together. And come up for prayer if you need. down